is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took him! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. Welcome in to a mix and match edition of the Draft Show. It'll be like this for the next couple of weeks, but it is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, and we are just 30 days away from the NFL Draft, and we've got ourselves a good one on tap for the next hour as Brian Broaddus, Jeff Cavanaugh, Dane Brugler, and myself, Kyle Yeomans, joining you for this Tuesday edition. Then we've got Bucky KT and Dave Hellman on Thursday. Derek Eagleton working his magic once again, mixing and matching the host and finding a way to bring you guys the best draft coverage that we could potentially find. But this is one that I've been really excited about because, one, we get Dane Brugler back with Brian Broaddus, which I think is something that's gold in its own right. But also, Jeff and Brian have five hours a day of radio together, and this is an hour of off the rails, no holding back, and basically going at each other. And I think that's what's going to be really exciting about this, Mr. Brian Broaddus. Yeah, it is. These cats don't want the smoke I'm about to bring to them. So, uh, yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say this, Kyle, two guys that if I was ever to get back into the scouting world and, and get to run a team, these are two of the guys I would hire first. And I mean that with all sincerity. I've, I've enjoyed working with them the last seven, eight years. And any time that I could sit down with them and, and, and argue about these players or agree about players or paint a picture about these players, it, it's, it's time very well spent for me. So uh, I, I am looking forward to this, uh, to this day very much. Dane, he's going to bring the smoke. I'll get your coffee for you, Mr. You hear Broaddus. That? Yeah, I mean, like, Brian does the work. So I can... I enjoy listening to the opinions of everybody that does the work, and Brian does more work than most out there. So I always enjoy the discussions. Um, you know, Jeff. Yeah, he 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 puts in the work too. So you know, we this is going to be. He hates offensive linemen. He he just he hates offensive linemen, Dane. So you know, we could talk about. I that. have watched ten offensive linemen, okay? Hey, that's pretty I, good. I hate them, and I don't want to watch them, but I've seen ten of them, okay? And some of them but are he's okay seen, But he's seen every receiver in the draft, so just just let it be known that if it, if his opinion's coming on these receivers, he's got that covered for you right there. Most years, I watch a hundred receivers and six other prospects total, <laughs> well, uh, but I, this year, the Cowboys have ten receivers, so uh, the I, offense is where I've been slacking. I'm only the, up the to trade action we saw over the ten weekend. receivers. But, we're, uh, but we are moving now. Everything. I got to tell you, um, we're moving now. We thought it was going to happen, maybe not a month before the draft, but the 49ers moving up to number three. Um, this this is going to be interesting. And not only what's going to happen at three, but the ramifications now, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then what happens at ten. Uh, this is going to get really interesting. I, and it starts at three. What what Which quarterback did the 49ers go up to get? Obviously, they're coming mm-hmm. up for a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is going one. Zach Wilson's going two. Who's going three, Mr. Broaddus? Yeah, San Francisco's going to go ahead and trade all the way up to two to make sure that they get Zach Wilson out of this thing. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're just putting themselves in shape to be able to flop those picks. You know, Robert Sala being the head coach now with the Jets. Trust me, they know what's going on in San Francisco right now. So, you know, no, I... You know, I, I'm not buying the smoke. I'm not buying that. I talk up here, I'm talking about smoke again. You know, I, I, I want to believe that this is where I always tell people, like, it's ice cream. These quarterbacks are like ice cream. It's your flavor, whatever you believe. You know, and Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't care what the draft show thinks about these quarterbacks. He doesn't care about our opinion. He'll go out and get the guy he wants. I'm perfectly fine with that. But to give up what he did to take a quarterback that's not as talented as some of the guys that he could potentially pick? I don't know, man. That 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 is going way, way, way out on a limb right there. And you know what? If he takes Mac Jones and he works out well, it'll be one or more of those times where I could say, you know what, I was wrong about a guy. But I don't know how San Francisco could take Mac Jones, give all they did, go up there and take him when you got guys like Lance 
and then you got potentially fields on the board uh, to take. I, I just don't see that this happening, and I, I'm not buying it one bit. What is the uh, big? I mean, I go for it, Dane. Well, I said, I, I mean, I, I I agree with you in theory, um, because you know, I, there, to me, there's. Lawrence is the best quarterback in this class. Then I have Zach Wilson, and then I've got Lance and Fields closely together, and right. then Mac Jones at five. So I, I agree with you that that would make the most sense. When this trade first came down, my initial reaction was, oh, Trey Lance, this is perfect. I love right. the landing spot. Love the match there. L- let's roll. But <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that I, that I think Mac Jones should be the pick. I'm saying that you talk to people around the league, and that's what they're talking about. And it, this isn't oh, no, like I, a case yeah. of it, this isn't yeah. a case of like oh smokescreen and like you know like they're, they're, we, we've got play or we've got guys with the you know the Cleveland Browns or the Seattle Seahawks telling us something the the smokescreen for the 49. No, that's not what's going on. People in the NFL genuinely believe that this is going to be Mac Jones. A high percentage of people believe this is going to be Mac Jones. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be, but. It's not a media creation. It's not the, the 49ers putting it out there that it's going to be Mac. This is what a lot of people around the NFL believe will happen. And so when you look at it, they sitting there at 12, you have to worry about Carolina at 8. And instead of trying to move up to 6 or 5 or 4, you just say, you know what, let's, let's go up to 3, eliminate all doubt, and go and get our guy. And so I this... It is a very, very likely scenario where Mac Jones is the third pick this year. Yeah, and and again, uh, you know, if that's if that's the route that San Francisco wants to go, that's their evaluation. But I also, you think about what you, you know, and and maybe these general managers. And let's, by the way, let me get this out there: John Lynch is not the general manager in San Francisco. He is in title, title only, you, title only. Kyle Shanahan is the general manager of that that organization. Whatever players that he wants, he's going to get, and he's going to move around. He's a good evaluator. The guy has a good roster. But but for them to give up what they did for this, no, no. You just Philadelphia just proved to you that their pick is for sale at six. They got out of there. I mean, they got out of there in a heartbeat. They're the ones that I think are going to lose in this whole thing because. They were in that mode where they could have taken great skill players there. Wide receiver, the tight end. Now they're moving back just so they could pick up some extra an extra first-round pick. You know, that's a team that's talent poor right now in a lot of areas. So I, I just don't see these teams. Again, if you're going up there to get ahead of Carolina, you know, you could have probably done you probably could have done that at six and got and got right up there and not had to give up what you did uh, to if Mac Jones is your guy you can't convince me that everybody else in the league ahead of you is going to is going to take him over the guys like yourself Dane who are evaluating saying oh well I've got Fields and I've got Lance I guarantee you 85% of the boards are going to have it that way too sure yeah no I agree but what about if you move up to six then you're worried about Carolina at eight jumping you for for Mac Jones Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean it's you know, you, you said it at the top, ice cream flavors, you know, and while I agree, we, we, we're in agreement here on the way the quarterbacks would come off the board if we were picking, but that's, we're not picking. And so it, I, there is an, a realistic possibility here that Kyle Shanahan views Mac Jones at, and look, uh, let's just, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Why Mac Jones should be that pick. What are the two most important traits you want in a quarterback? Accuracy, decision making. That's top two. Every, then you have to decide if everything else is good enough. Mac Jones, you could argue, is the superior quarterback between Lance and Fields when you talk about those top two traits accuracy and decision making. Now, he's not as mobile, he doesn't have the same type of arm, and the physical traits aren't there, but the top two traits you look for at the position, that's where Mac Jones gets those checks over some of the other quarterbacks. So, that's me playing devil's advocate saying I, I could understand why Kyle Shanahan would want to make that move and for, for Mac Jones being the guy and why he felt like he had to go up to three, get ahead of Carolina, eliminate all doubt. Now, if Carolina really wants Mac Jones, they've got to blow away the Jets at number two, which is highly unlikely. 
Mac Jones is not going third. Mac Jones is not going third. This is me playing my violin on my way down uh, with the Titanic. <laughs> I won't believe it until after that pick is made. There is no way Mac Jones is getting picked third. No way. None. I'm calling not the credibility. I'm just calling everyone a liar. Whoever is telling anyone that is lying. Kyle Shanahan's a liar. John Lynch is a liar. They're a bunch of liars. Mac Jones ain't going third. So not my, happening. My question with this is, Dane, you've heard this from all of your sources, and, and you've you've kind of put the pieces together, and we've heard it certainly throughout the media. But where is your confidence level at with this potentially being a thing, with Mac Jones potentially going third overall? Because, I mean, uh, we'll talk about your top 100 coming up in the third show, but, I mean, Mac Jones is pretty far down that list. He's nowhere near the top three. So is your confidence level aligning with what you've heard from sources? My confidence level in Mac Jones being the pick or Mac Jones should be the pick? Uh, how about both? Give me an answer for both. Well, I mean, Mac Jones for me is the fifth best quarterback in this class. Uh, now, I really like Mac Jones. Like, I was uh, um, finishing up the beast this week, and so I'm proofreading and I'm going through my quarterbacks and I'm, I'm reading every single word in my Mac Jones report. And I get done with this report, and I'm like, man, I really like Mac Jones. Like, he's a really good quarterback. Uh, when you talk about what you want at the position uh, in terms of processing, in terms of ball placement, in terms of poise, uh, I think he's got the best deep ball. Uh, it doesn't have the strongest arm, but I think he's got the best deep ball in this class. Um, so there's a lot for Mac Jones that I like. But with that said, I'd still take my chances with the other four quarterbacks before I took my chances with him. Uh, you know, mainly because of you know they're they're close in those other areas, but their physical traits are superior. Um, now, in terms of my confidence level and Mac Jones actually being the pick, I I, I don't. This is it's tough. We're, we're a month out, and I, what you know we've been doing this a long time. We know that you don't necessarily listen to things you hear a month out from the draft. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with the 49ers at three, they don't need to smokescreen anybody, okay? No. Like, this isn't... They don't, they don't need to uh, fake anybody out. We know... We, we, we feel really, really good, like 99% sure that Trevor Lawrence is going one. And we're about 85% sure Zach Wilson's going two. Okay? Really, really sure about those first two picks. 49ers now, that, they start the draft at number three. Who are they going to draft? I don't know, but they don't need to say, you know, they don't need to smokescreen anybody uh, in terms of trying to faking anybody out. That's just that they don't need to. So the fact that so many people that I talk to around the league believe it's Mac Jones tells me that there's at least something there. The fact that Kyle Shanahan is in Alabama this morning mm -hmm. look, watching Mac Jones, that's not irrelevant. That, that there is something to that. Kyle Shanahan does not go to many pro days. Didn't go to Trey Lance's. He does not go to many pro days. The fact that he is in Tuscaloosa right now, that means something. Even if it doesn't, you know, even if we can't say for sure he's going to be the pick, that at least means something. Brian. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people that I. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I trust. I, I'm on the side of I don't believe it's going to be the pick. I'm like Jeff. I'll go down with the ship. You know, I, I think that I think that San Francisco is trying to be more clever than everybody else. I really do. I, I think they're trying to divert our attention. This stuff is too clean. I mean, you know, when when it comes to quarterbacks, we generally don't hear who people like. We don't. And now all of a sudden, we all know that San Francisco's in love with Mac Jones. No, nah, that's not going to work in my book. In, on, in draft rooms, that's the one position you protect. You protect the quarterback list, you know, and he, but you try and protect all your all your picks too. But in this case, the fact that everybody now has got Mac Jones going there, and and the hard thing about it is the people who study the tape really don't believe it because True. you watch the other players and you're saying, how could you not take the more talented players? That goes against everything you believe. Now, this is a position that that, that people look at it different. Kyle Shanahan's idea could be completely different from everyone else's idea of what a quarterback takes. Dan, you brought it up. Accuracy. You know, that's that's important. You know, talk about the deep ball stuff. That's important. You know, I, I just think that to me, the fact that we know who the San Francisco 49ers are going to pick at quarterback is hard to believe, especially at this point in time. Three, three years ago, a month before the draft, if I would have told you Baker Mayfield is going to be the top pick to the Browns, 
we'd be saying the same thing. We weren't no, we weren't talking about Baker Mayfield as a even a thought at number one until 24 hours before the draft. Mm. That's right. That's right. And, and and what happened is, and your sources and my sources of John Dorsey said he was looking for a quarterback that when everybody went into that locker room, they would look at and say, "That's a leader. That's our guy. Mm-hmm. That's who we want to play for." Okay, maybe that's exactly. But I, again, you protect your quarterback list with your life. You, you protect you, unless you're the Dallas Cowboys. You try and protect your board too, and you know that we the board gets out. Of yeah, this sometimes gets, gets out of there every once in a while. But to me, this is where and, and again, a lot of smart people, a lot of really plugged in people. I just don't. It it's too. If we found this out the night before the draft, I dig it. Right now, mm. nope, not at all. You think it's just too in front, too. Out there in the open, and, in front. And, and, and that's Two exactly out. what uh, teams don't want to do. Absolutely, you do not want to telegraph if, if in fact you're if teams are sitting in their room right now and you're San and you're Carolina, you know maybe you do try and blow the Jets away. Maybe maybe you say you know what, hey, if you guys will. Drop down here to eight. We'll give you this. We'll make a deal better than what San Francisco gave you. For but they might pick Wilson. Still, you know, they might get the guy that they want. But I, I to me, this is this 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 happened way way too early in the process for me uh, to to really believe in it. So let me ask you this now. Um, we'll get away from that number three pick. Do you foresee any more trades happening between now and? Because I think we're going to see some trades. You know, Denver. you look at Carolina. Denver. Denver. Right, well, yeah, Dallas, Car- Carolina Dallas. at 8, Denver at 9, you have the four, uh, Patriots at 15. But sure. my question is, do you think we're going to see some of those trades between now and the draft? Or do you think this is going to be, we're going to wait and see who goes 3, and then that's when we're going to see some trade action go on? I think you're going to have some people that are going to set some stuff up. That they're going to have some like, listen, when we if we go on the clock and our guy is not there, you're going to have some some pre some pre trade discussions with some teams. I if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, every mock draft, Jeff and I, as we do our radio show every day, Jeff and I do like a big board report. We go through the mocks. Jeff tells me how many offensive players are taken in those mocks before defensive players taken. Every single time, it's nine offensive players. Every single time it appears that way. Nobody's putting Parsons up there anymore. Nobody's putting Farley up there anymore. Nobody's putting those guys up there anymore. It's all these all these offensive players. And if you're if you're somebody that thinks you want to get the best, now that Farley's got that injury, if you're a team that wants the best corner and you think Sertan is the best corner, go trade with Denver. Because there's a chance in Dallas he's 10 day, and I saw your top, I saw your top one hundred. Or your top ten. You got Sertan at number ten. I see what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> I see what yep. you're doing. He's your fir- he's your first defensive player, isn't he? Yep. On the board. Uh, yeah. He okay. Is, yep. There you go. Denver. J- JC Horn's not too far behind. Do you think so, there's an opportunity that Dem- even Denver could trade up to go get a guy? Maybe if they wanted that fourth quarterback off the board, no. they go up and try and maybe yeah, trade yeah. up Atlanta. I, no. Yes. I, you. Do not do not dismiss Denver as a possibility to go get one of these quarterbacks. I'm telling you, there, especially if a bad quarterback goes third overall, you really want to go get one of the good ones. Get one of the good ones. <laughs> That's it. If you're Denver, you you move up two spots, get ahead of Carolina, get your Trey Lance, uh, you know, get your Justin Fields. Uh, who know? The thing is, is we have a new general manager. Cincinnati, in you think Cincinnati at five would really trade with you? You think Cincinnati at five would trade? No, because they're going to be staring down the barrel of either okay, Kyle Pitts or Panay Sewell or Jamar that's Chase. Pick. What do you think, Miami? I'm, I'm, you th- I said at seven. Look, if Denver wanted to move up, well, Denver could move up to four at Atlanta. We don't. Sure. Atlanta's a wild card. They could take a quarterback. They might not take a quarterback. But if Denver wants to get, you know, Trey Lance, they move up to number four and get your guy. And then you know you're left with Carolina. Are they just going to stand pat and see if I, Fields falls to them? I don't know. I think I think that if you're Denver, if John Elway was still the general manager at Denver, I'd buy what you're saying. But George Payton, oh. no, no. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think, we've never seen Peyton as, as a 
But we've never seen give him as a picks, general manager before. Give me picks, give me picks, give me picks, give me picks. That's what We've never seen him as a general manager. We don't have a, uh, a sample size of him making the picks to know, you know exactly what his philosophy is going to be. If he feels like there's a quarterback that's a clear upgrade over Drew Locke and is going to take this organization in the right direction... I don't. Denver's not too far off. They did a. They made a lot of smart moves on defense this off season. So it, I, I'm just saying, Denver's intriguing. I'm not saying they're going to get a quarterback, but I would not dismiss them as an option there. Uh, you know, real quick before we move on, what Miami moving the 12 and then up to six? What do we think Miami does at six and Philly does at 12? I would like to start with. I don't think that trade makes sense for Miami. I, the Miami, the second part of it, because you went down which that's fine, and you accumulated a bunch of picks. Mm -hmm. But you came back up without totally knowing what's going to be available unless you're just like – that's what I don't understand is unless unless Miami feels really, really good about two or three different pass catchers, then that – Yeah, because that that plan otherwise, because at 12, there's a chance you miss out on all of them. So in that way, it makes sense. But it's just it's kind of it's kind of strange to watch a team go from 12 to six and they can't know for sure who they're picking because they can't know for sure that Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddell. Like, yes, at least one and probably all but one will be there. So I guess you just have to be in love with multiple players there. Yeah. So they just Which took is over certainly, Phil- yeah. They took over Philadelphia's spot. When, when we start talking about Philadelphia, what do we always talk about? Skill guys. Yep. We name every wide receiver available. We talk about right. Pitts. They're going to get a badass offensive player at six if they want one. They they yep. just took Philadelphia's spot. Philadelphia says, "Oh, we don't need any offensive players. We're going back." Miami's trade netted them a one and a three, an extra one and a three. I think Chris Greer did a hell of a job. He's now just taken over. Everything that we talked about in Philadelphia, skill-wise, now is in play at Miami. Now, and I kind of like what the, the Eagles did. They get an extra pick next year, plus I, they might get Devontae Smith at 12. Sure. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, they might get J.C. Horn at 12. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons could be there, right? even though they don't draft linebackers in the first round. So, the Eagles pick up a first next year, so they can probably get a target a quarterback in next year's draft, and they're still going to get a pretty good player at twelve. So I, I like it for both sides. I think it is good for both sides as well. But Jeff, you even mentioned it earlier when you were talking about Cincinnati, saying that they're staring down the barrel of either Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, any of those pass catchers. One of those guys is going to be there at six for Miami. So I understand that, and kind of you guys went over that, and I don't want to repeat exactly what you said, but I think the going back up and the way that they did it, and Brian, you said netting those extra picks, I think Miami's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. I think that was a fantastic move. I think it was a good move for the Eagles because they get their choice of one of those Alabama guys maybe if they fall uh, and even hey who knows Kyle Pitts could fall that far as well Dave Hellman in our mock draft in the Star Magazine had Kyle Pitts all the way down to 13 it's possible I'm not saying that's gospel by any means but it is possible to see players like that and talented players like that fall now we're going to go ahead and step aside when we come back Twitter on the 20 time. It's one of the favorite segments. We're going to get to as many questions as we potentially can. I've got at least six of them I'm looking at right now. And we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. You're listening to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. 
the official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Into our second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. As always, presented by Miller Lite. Before we get into Twitter on the 20, I've got something in my hands I'm looking at right now. It's that beautiful Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine draft guide. It is fresh off the press. I mean, placed on our desk yesterday. And there's even a full-page ad for Mr. Jeff Cavanaugh and Brian Broaddus in the middle of this. Look at those pretty faces. Look at those two guys. (laughs) Right in the middle of full-page ad. Right next to Will McClay as well. I mean, I think it's a fantastic look for these guys. I was searching through and I looked up and I said, oh, look, there's Jeff Cavanaugh's smiling face. But you can get these on DallasCowboys.com. You can get a digital copy or you can get the hard copy sent to you as well. That'll be out coming up later this week. I don't know the exact date. I tried to clarify that. It's up over the next couple of weeks, but it is fantastic. And you get a picture of Jeff Cavanaugh and Brian Broaddus. I heard if you hit him up on Twitter, they'll even sign it for you. Is that right, guys? Uh, yeah, digitally. NFT. Okay. Yeah, just uh, check my um, ch- check my YouTube page for all my blockchain stuff, and I'll get you squared away. How many of those <laughs> words did you just understand, Brian? I do five Crypto. hours. I do five hours. I work with two guys that are totally into that stuff, and I'll tell you what, it, it is a, it's a journey every single day. Talk, listening to them talking about blockchains and things like that. So, uh, hey, it's the way to go. But Krusty, Krusty's got a whole other idea in life, so he's going to let somebody else blockchain it, probably. You're not going to get into the, the Bitcoin and the, the blockchain nah, and NFTs. That's not. good. That's probably good. Not. Well, we're going to get into... Buy my top shots. Okay, we're going to get into TOTs. How about Twitter on the 20? On the 20. As always, Chris Beam in the back doing fantastic work. You like that segue using the acronym? I think that was fun. All right. The Star Vision on Twitter says, favorite player comps so far in this draft class? He said he'll start first. He says Asante Samuel Jr., comparing him to Tredavious White. Brian Broaddus, do you have a favorite player comp in this draft? Man, last year it was Wirfs and Walter Jones. Uh, I don't have a favorite player comp. Uh, you know, when you go through some of these guys, too, you, you try and say, and mine tend to be older guys, older players back in the day, and I'm, I, I just struggle. I'll, I'll tell you one that I think, I'm trying to figure out one for Davis uh, for my guy at the, uh, the quarterback at Stanford is what I'm trying to figure out one for him. Because I, I, I really do like the kid. I like the way he throws the football. You know, you could always kind of find a guy along the way that, that was that type of, uh, a type of guy. But, you know, it, it, this is tough because that's how I used to describe players to Jerry Jones. And that's how Jerry understood. If you could take a guy and make him a, 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 a paint a picture for Jerry, that was the great thing to do, but it was always difficult. I know when we were doing the magazines and stuff, Dane was always in charge of that guy. I guarantee you Dane's got some guys. Who do you got, Dane? Is there somebody you like better than – I didn't give you um, a comparison because I, I don't have anybody yet that this guy really reminds me of that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to come up with comparisons for every player, um, and some are not easy, and so I, you, know, you just don't force it. But some, I thought, were really – made a lot of sense to me. Like Trevon Merrig, um, Jesse Bates, the corner or, or the safety from the the Bengals, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jamin White, the linebacker from Kentucky, Zach Cunningham uh, from the Texas. I think those two guys are just absolute clones of each other. Um, Hunter Long, the tight end from Boston College, a very very similar to Austin Hooper. Um, I, I like that comparison quite a bit. 
uh, Aziz Ajaleri and Yannick Ngakwe. So yeah, there, I think there's a couple comparisons that I, I really like in this class. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Thanos. That's what I went with. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Pitts and Thanos. Thanos yeah, was sense. of course. Thanos was of course the guy who even the Avengers couldn't take down until they combined all their different powers because Thanos is an unstoppable. He's inevitable, if you will. Mm. That's Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is inevitable. All right. Well, that might be the title of the. Yes. Uh, that you might know, be the title was... of the podcast. You know, it's funny when you watch a bunch of these players, and again, I. There's certain guys that do pop. I don't try and force these these things, but they're like I say with with Tristan with Werfs. I mean, I just saw Walter Jones. I and I know that you know the, the athletic ability and stuff. And you know, it, it just it's one of those things. You, it has to come to you. It has to when you're watching those players. You, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you my one. I should have thought of this right up there, because on the radio I always talk about Devontae Smith as Marvin Harrison. Ooh, that's yeah. that's one of those ones that that always comes to mind because of the way it's built, you know that right. that was that was the one that's not forced. It's a natural one, you know. When I watch him play, I think I'm watching Marvin Harrison play football. Oh yeah, or Darius Washington and Honey Badger. You do you love go. that one. There you go. I didn't know Honey Badger was a four six athlete. Ooh. Oh, I didn't know we played football on a track. <laughs> Here I thought they played on the field. I didn't know. <laughs> I just I didn't I didn't I didn't realize that. Huh. I mean, the next time that they ask him to line up in a three point stance and run forty yards in a straight line, I guess if the guy runs a four four, Washington's <laughs> not going to catch him. But quarterbacks ain't true. throwing at him. They're not scared to throw at Merrick. Mm. Ain't throwing at Washington. Mm. Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're just, gonna just go throw it. Just throw it. Uh, just then, I mean, two, don't inches, get me wrong. two inches higher than him. Just just <laughs> throw it a little bit higher. I mean, I'm waiting for somebody to do it. Uh, but they they. Really throw at the corners, but they also throw yeah. at Merrick some. They're not throwing at Washington, not in 2020. They know better. Mm, I like it. All right. Kit's in the light. Kit, I'll tell you what, man, he makes up for it. Kit puts himself in some good positions to make plays. I will give him credit. Yeah, no, he's not a bad player. I just, I don't know. You, you see, to me, I saw the lack of inches quite often in that yeah. on his tape, but. Dan, you know, did he make player. your top 100? We're talking about our Darius Washington out of TCU, by the way. Of course not. Dane hates no, little just, people. No, hey, I, he just missed. He, I graded him as a, and this is, I've been consistent with him from the, the start. You have He's been. a fourth round nickel for me. A, a, a good player who has some shortcomings, um, hmm. but a good player. There's who, the joke. Good shortcomings. Yeah, there's, the joke yeah, there's the joke. Yeah, there goes Dane. How was that a joke? He has some <laughs> shortcomings. How was that a joke? Um, Look, I, he's a good player. I, I mean, he's not like he's a bad player here. He's just uh, there's some other players I'd rather have over him. Who's a better short player, him or Samuel? Ooh. Uh, Samuel. I think Samuel. Samuel's a much better better athlete. I mean, he's he can cover. I mean, he's uh, I think you're you can do a little more with Samuel. All right, I want to get to our second question here. And this one again, Brian will remember this guy, but it's from aspiring journalist on Twitter. That was his name on both his tag and his name. So uh, he asked, "What are your reactions to Miami's pro day?" Of course, these pro days continuing on throughout the the month. And did it change your or or confirm your opinion of Phillips Rousseau Rocher? Dane, give us some of the numbers that we saw from Miami's Pro Day yesterday, and then we'll talk about how it affected us. Well, actually, I'm still waiting for the official numbers to come in. Uh, should be here this afternoon. But I got yeah, you, just, Dane. Phillips well, just, really good, Rousseau bad. Yeah, <laughs> just from what we saw reported out there, it looked like Rousseau was not, you know, it's pretty disappointing compared to what you would expect from a player who has a chance to be a top 20 pick. Um, now, you know, I think you know, Jeff and I, and I don't, Brian, I don't know where you are in Rousseau, but I know Jeff and I are not. We, we don't see Rousseau as a top 32 player in this draft. Um, Day three. Brian, where do you see Rousseau? Yeah, I got him in the, I got him in the second round. I don't see yeah. him as a first-round player. But, uh, you know, to me, that's where, again, I, 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 the, the things that you want to like about him, it, it, that's tough. That's a tough evaluation there because, again, when you kick him inside, that's his most productive stuff. And mm-hmm. then when you see him play outside, you're like, well, this guy's not a – I just couldn't get over the fact that everybody had him in the first round. I, I just I – di- I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. And you know what? I mean, there's, there's guys – there's several of those defensive ends that I would rather have over him right now. I mean, 
I, I have problems with Quiddy Pay. I yep. have problems with the, the the Penn State kid away. I have problems with Rousseau. I mean, I, I've kind of got those guys all in that same group. I I'm really not fired up for any of them. They're like guys that if they get taken in the second or third round, I, I could I could understand it. But I, I'm not putting those guys in the first round. I just don't see the ability there. I have Rousseau in the fourth because I just don't I don't like I don't think that he has any good traits. I think the traits that people are gonna talk about is that he's tall and he has long arms. That's the end of the list. He's not an explosive athlete. He's not strong. He can't win off the edge. Gregory Rousseau is a pick that you're literally picking the traits of he's long and he had some college production as a freshman. That's what you're picking. That I, I'll, I even in the second round, if the Cowboys, if he made it to 44 and the Cowboys picked him, I would say they made an awful pick. I'd be like, I just don't know. I don't know what you're getting out of him. He's not an edge because he can't win the corner. He's not a real D tackle. He's 260 pounds and not even athletic at 260 pounds. So I have no idea what you're doing with Gregory Rousseau. I think he's a day three project. I think his length helps unlock some things that some other players, uh, you know, can't with the average athletic profile. Now, Jalen Phillips, he he tested off the charts, yeah. which uh, at least unofficially. Now that that was never the question, though. Uh, I mean, I, I've said this before, but watching Jalen Phillips, I get flashbacks of you know the Bosas, with just his understanding sure. of how to use his hands, yeah. uh, just their their thought process, the way they move. Um, you know, I don't think that he's quite as explosive as the Bosa's, but he, he's very smooth and he, he plays well. It's just, the, the question with him has always been the injury and the off-field stuff, and that's really what's going to dictate where he ends up on draft day. Jalen Phillips could go 20, he could go 60, and I wouldn't be surprised at either. Yeah, that, that's the, the Miami evaluation of those two kids is very, very difficult. I do have him in the first round uh, uh, below Ojolari from Georgia, but and I, and I agree with you. Uh, Dane, I mean this this guy. Oh, so I, I'm I'm. That's why I would have Phillips. I would rather take a chance on Phillips with all the things you talked about, as opposed to Russo. That I'm I'm not really sure what he totally brings to the to the table. I'd rather have Roche than Russo. I think. Mm. I like Roche a little bit more than most people do but I still don't even know if I would do that that's pretty right on the borderline of it but kind of sticking with this same topic yeah I just want to get it real clear I just want to be real clear where I am on the Rousseau topic you've been very consistent and I appreciate that but kind of sticking with this same topic with Christian on Twitter he said which widely assumed top 100 draft prospect is most vulnerable to a huge slip in the draft and he wanted to say similar to Bradley and I and or Curtis, Curtis Weaver, rather, from last year falling to the fifth round. I mean, it happens every year. A top 100 player is going to end up falling. Dane, is there anybody that you see that is more susceptible to that than anybody else? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think, first of all, when you have so many there are so many guys at one position, like receiver or corner, uh, ultimately some of those guys get squeezed because only so many receivers are going to go top 100. Only so many uh, you know, tackles are going to go top So one of those guys at th- that position could get squeezed out. Um, looking at my list here, I, we talk about a guy that, like, you know, Davion Nixon from Iowa. Maybe could he be a guy that slips a little bit? Because he's got some, you know, some track record issues and uh, you know, he, he was a little heavy at his pro day, things like that. I don't, maybe uh, Davion Nixon. Um, you got the injury guys like uh, the Deo Odengbo from Vanderbilt, who mm-hmm. I think is a top 50 player. But yeah. because of the injury, could he fall uh, a little bit? Um, Andre Cisco, another one of those guys. You know, the yeah. ACL. Could that knock him out of the top 100? Uh, I'll tell you a guy on tape, and this is from my school, Jabril Cox. I think a lot of people have Jabril Cox way too high. Wow. Uh, on on their list, I I I don't I I am not. I have a seventy eight. Is that too high? Uh, you know what? I I think that if you dropped him a little more, you'd be I'd be more comfortable with that. I, I just don't see. To me, there's that flash. And again, I've watched every game he's played at LSU, and every mock draft that people send me, they pick him at forty four. Every mock draft, he's at 44, 44, 44. I'm like, man, I, I, I don't see that. You know, yeah. if, he were, if he were to get selected a lot higher, 
then if he gets selected between 44 and 50 something, I, I would be I would be surprised. I think that Dane, you're closer to where he needs to be, and maybe a little even further down when you when you truly evaluate him. I think that's just a reflection of in college, most of these linebackers you just see doing the generic spot drops, like that's all they're asked to do. But Jabril Cox, you've got real life tape of covering tight ends and doing it with ease. Like he's a bad run player. He's right. not a good run player, and he plays linebacker, so I think that's awkward for people. But coverage at that spot has become so important that I think you'll just have teams that are like, look, we can teach a guy to play the run and tackle, uh, but this coverage is kind of rare in college. So I, I, I think he'll be in the second round. I think it's where he'll go because it's, just, it's, it's kind of rare in college to see linebackers who can do that or at least show that in college. I yeah, think that's but a fair also, point. Yeah, but you also got to be able to tackle, Jeff. And you talk about sure. teaching it and stuff like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of these LSU linebackers that have come in and done a pretty good job. You know, but I, I'm just saying, I think people have got him too high. I'm going to give you another guy, that Xavier Collins. I really don't know what I'm going to do with Xavier Collins, hmm. the kid from Tulsa. And I know there's a lot of people that – oh, excuse me, what I say? Tol- oh, yeah, Tulsa. You said I, Tulsa. I, you did. Yeah, I said it at I, the same I'm, time. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, to me, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that guy looks like to me just a Sam outside linebacker. You know, what else? What else are you going to do with him? You know, I don't know. I mean, he. You watch some of his tape. There's some turnovers and things like that that he creates, but he physically looks like a defensive end trying to play linebacker. So I. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just. I don't know. Use him as a pass rusher. Do you use him as a linebacker? You know, where do you use him? I, I think that people are probably going to overdraft him too. What about Walker Little, Dane? Do you think there's a chance he could fall because of the lack of tape, because of maybe some of the injury issues and the fact that he hasn't really played real football in a couple of seasons? It's certainly possible because of the reasons that you just stated, but I don't. I think he's just – he plays the right position, first of all. Chase tackle. Everyone's looking for tackles. Um, and I just think at a certain point on day two, the value is going to be too great, and a team's going to say, "Let's, yeah, let's roll the dice." And we've seen him play one game the last two years, but you know, pro day numbers look good. His pro day workout looked good. Um, all the, the the videos from his training look good. Um, you know, this is a guy who, in the 2019 season opener against Northwestern, he looked like he was on a first round trajectory. Mm. So you know, I, I think that I would be surprised if he falls out of the top. 75 picks. I think somewhere in the top 75, a team is going to uh, roll the dice and see what they get, what they have on Walker Little. I was interested about him. Yeah, Six I, foot know, seven it, is I, pretty impressive, Brian. Yeah, it is. But I mean, he. But there's again, you talk about the the size is ideal, the limited number of games he's played. You know, I, I would. People are going to bet on that look, I think, is what they're going to do. When you talk about the 6, 7, the 320, I mean, that's yeah. what I had going in. But there, there is like, if you watch him play, he doesn't always play in balance. I mean, he is, for a tall guy, he is way over the top of his feet a lot of the times. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he'll set, and then things will start to fall apart for him there. So I didn't see the strongest guy, too, for his size. I've been wrong about a lot of these tall Long, not strong guys. You know, I, I can't compare him to uh, Nate Soldar out of Colorado, David Bakhtiari. I mean, the tall, you know, those guys that don't play with a lot of power. Bakhtiari, like he he manages to make it because he's such a great athlete. But I mean, you get these guys that don't play with power. I mean, I, I've been burned by the Walker Little type guys before. So, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that that he's a guy that doesn't immediately come in. And, and, and help somebody. I think it's, a, it's probably a two- or three-year project with this guy. Well, and the other factor we have to keep in mind here, too, is just the lack of information on the medicals. Uh, you know, without the combine this year, uh, you know, teams are getting the info a little bit later, which means we get the info a little bit later. So you know, there's always the possibility of one or two of these guys just get dropped because of a bad knee or their shoulder's not right, things like that. So just something to keep in mind. I agree completely with Brian. I think a couple years of a project with him would be something ideal, and then he could have a really successful NFL career. Now, who would be successful in a street fight? This is from Devin Boyle on Twitter, our guy. Hmm. Broadus's race team, Kavanaugh's flag football team, or Dane's scouting sources? Who would win in a street fight, anchorman style, meeting in the middle of the parking lot and going at it? Who would win out of those three? 
Well, it's just a numbers game. I mean, depending which flag football team, if you're talking about my four-man team, it's like six guys, seven guys. Race team's got more than that. And they probably have the, all yeah, sorts just, of wrenches. And, yeah. Take the yeah. They got helmets guys. on to <laughs> yeah, protect they got, themselves. They got helmets, think, helmets, gloves, knee pads. They've got right. tools in hand. And yeah, you're you're going to and they and they're all hopped up on Mountain Dew. I mean, they Ooh. are all jacked up. They drink a ton of Mountain Dew. They get vibe. I mean, you go over the wall, man. It, it's it's a tough job. But uh, Anchorman style, the fact that we have helmets and tools, I, I think we might have a chance with my guys. I do. Yeah, my, guys, my guys. My guys got a cell phone and a stopwatch. That's all they got. So, <laughs> and my guys are carrying around Jello shots and football cleats. That's all they got. So we're in trouble. Oh, I love it. A little and bit I'm of sure Miller Lite with Jeff's Jeff Cruz a little more athletic. Yeah, yeah Jeff, Jeff Cruz a little more athletic than uh, than my crew. So oh, yeah, man. but it's close now. We used to be. It's getting closer. I I think that would be fun to watch. I would gladly sit above the action and broadcast every single bit of it if I could. But let's go ahead and take our second. Can you surrender break. before it starts? Uh, yes, if you want to. Like I, I would just run up the I just run up the white flag and be like, "Good <laughs> fight, guys. You got it." Have fun, everybody. All right, we're gonna take our second break. When we come back. Top 100 big board of Dane Brugler. We're going to talk about, well, where are the Cowboys going to look in the second round when they pick somebody on the offensive side of the football in the first? I'll explain that on the other side of the break. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Kyle Yeomans, Brian Broaddus, Dame Brugler, Jevin, or Jevin, Jeff Cavanaugh. Goodness gracious, I don't know what I was just saying. I was about to say Kevin KT Turner, Dave uh, Dave Hellman, and then Bucky Brooks are going to come up on Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time for that one. But we've got Jeff for this one. This has been a whole lot of fun talking about Brian's race team absolutely beating down the scouting department and the flag football team simultaneously. But Dane's been beating down that big board and he's gotten down to 100 at the moment. Top 100 big board released on The Athletic. Go check it out. Highly encourage it because there is a ton of information on these prospects and you can go read it right there on The Athletic. He does a fantastic job, which is why we love having him on the draft show. But Dane Top nine players all on the offensive side of the football. The first defensive player in your top 100 is Patrick Sertan, cornerback out of Alabama. He's sitting at 10. The next best defensive player, Micah Parsons at 12. So a couple positions back for that. Sandwiched in between Sertan and Parsons is Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern. So explain your reasoning right around that 10 mark and one of the reasons why, well, there still wasn't a defensive player that snuck into that top nine. 
Well, in previous iterations, I did have a defensive player in there, but that was Caleb Farley, who, uh, unfortunately, with the injury stuff, we just don't know. Um, you know, he's an unknown at this point. Uh, multiple back procedures, an ACL, uh, and he's only played two years of the position, so plenty of question marks. Um, now, you know, teams are going to be split on how they view Farley, and, you know, one team might say, oh, if he gets past pick 20, we'll take the chance, where another team's going to say, you know, he has to get past pick 60. You know, it's just every team's going to look at that very differently. I put Caleb Farley at 29 uh, as my fourth corner, um, as just kind of a placeholder right now as we get more information. But, you know, I still, you know, Farley is such a ridiculous talent, 6'2", 200 pounds. His arm length at the pro day, he, he wasn't able to work out, obviously, but his arm length, 33 and three quarters. I mean, that, that that's almost an inch longer than Rashawn Slater. So just silly length. Uh, he's a legit 4-3 guy. So big Caleb Farley fan, but we have to move him down. So that leaves Patrick Sertan as the top uh, defensive player. Uh, and then J.C. Horn, not too far behind him in terms of the top corners. Um, Michael Parsons, I still believe, is, you know, with, with his talent, 4-3-6 speed, he still belongs in the top 15 as long as you're comfortable with the character concerns and, you know, the person that he is. Um, I, I have very few questions about the talent. Uh, so, you know, Michael Parsons, he's in there in that mix. Um, and then, you know, Broadus was talking about the pass rushers earlier, and it, it's hard to love any of these guys, but yeah. Aziz Ajaleri, to me, the top, the top pass rusher. I have him at 16, Quiddy Pay at 19, uh, then Jalen Phillips at 25. Man, I'm going to be dead wrong about Quiddy Pay a bit. I really am. And I, I like your list, Dan. I really, really do. Uh, you know, to me, I, I personally like Horn better than Sertan, but I can understand people falling in love. Sertan's a ready made player. You, you know, you yep. watch him play at Alabama. Uh, you know, he, he, you, know you, you, see, you see quality play. You see some times, though, where there's some lapses, but you could say that about any of these corners. I just want the guy that's going to fight every single snap. And, and the thing with Horn, he's probably going to hold. He's probably going to get – but he was the one guy, when you watch the Florida tape, that they put him on Pitts, and he wasn't afraid of Pitts. I think Pitts is one of the best players in this draft. You know, mm -hmm. And there were some times where he was tight coverage, knocking the ball the way. You know, Pitts kind of turns around and looks at him like – you know, where the hell did you come from kind of a thing, you know. And you don't always see that happen. Give me the guy that's really super competitive. I know you got him right there. But I, I, could, see, I could see the Cowboys at 10 saying, you know what, let's just take this guy. Let's take this Alabama corner. We'll move on with our day. We'll figure about the offensive tackles at 44 or whatever else we need to get. Did you guys see 440 for Horn and 441 for Satan? Both those numbers surprised yeah. me. No. I, well, I guess they both surprised me a little bit, but I think that's what we're going to get because it's pro days. I think every, literally every player and every time we get is hot. Every one of them. I think J.C. Horn, I'm going to call him a 4-4-5. Four, four, our, our Missouri linebacker Bolton didn't run all that great for no. him. For well, him. he ran 4-5. He ran what four five nine? Yeah, but he he plays faster than that on tape. I I, I know that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call him a four six five. If you tell me four four one for Sertan, I'm gonna call it a four four seven. If you tell me four three nine for Horn, I'm gonna call it a four four five. Um, because like the guys who track the athleticism, like this is the most athletic draft class of all time. You know why? Because we're using handheld timers. We don't have a combine. Add time to every single time you see. All of them, because at the combine they'd be higher. Hmm. Dave, yeah, what is I, I, and I'll tell you one thing. To, go yeah, for it, go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. I go ahead. You're I was good. just going to ask Dane, like, what is? I mean, we've talked about pro days previously on this show, but is there any extra ounce of at least? precaution of getting these times right like I, I know we've talked about potential lasers at these pro days but I mean how do we know which are right. not used by lasers and which are yeah it, it, it most of these are hand times and on but honestly that's what teams use you, you know they use even at the combine they'll use their hand times yeah. um, over the quote-unquote official time so yep. Um, you know, and you'll see the results, and one will be over the other. And then you talk to a scout, and well, that one was with the wind, and this one was against the wind. And you know, there's there's so many factors here. Uh, you know, uh, a downhill track or indoor facility. I know, like 
the Illinois State uh, Pro Day was outside in uh, freezing temps with freezing rain. And, wow. you know, it's uh, all of these factors play into to these numbers. And so the context is, you know, it, 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 it helps. But, you know, it's, that's why I wait until I get the official times. And I'm just, whatever the, whatever the official times are, that's what NFL teams are using. So good enough for me. I think we're all grateful that the scouts are actually on the road right now and, and doing timings. I mean, that, yeah. that's something. I'll tell you something that's been a problematic for a lot of these scouts, other than the medical information, is the fact that these, uh, like, individual workouts, you know, the ability to go and work somebody out on your own with your own staff and your own environments and things like that, that, that's hurt a lot of these guys because the pro days they have, that's the only evaluation they got. So, you know, you have to go, do you have to go retime a kid? You know, do you have to make sure you have a you know better you know, vertical jumps, whatever? I mean, there's there's a lot of things going into this stuff. And, you know, the scouts, I feel like they're always, they're doing the best they can. But there are a lot of situations. Like, I know that track at Ohio State is downhill. I mean, it is a downhill facility. They run yeah, them at the top right. of the hill, run them downhill. When you see those times from Ohio State, you're like going, man, they're flying. Well, they're flying for a reason because they're running downhill. And there's nothing well, you can do about that. That's the way the Woody that, Hayes Center is. But that's that's but that's what you got to do. That's what scouts. That's where we're at right now with these scouts working that with the with what they have. And that's why this year it matters a little bit more. Um, okay, the, the our D, our DB coach was at which pro day, and yeah. the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator was where. I mean that that matters because we don't have you can't bring these guys to the facility for a personal workout for right. you know a facility visit. You can't you can't do that. It's all about the pro days. So where the coaches go, where the offensive coordinators go. Uh, if you have a positional coach, go to a specific pro day. That always matters, but even more so this year. Okay, well then we need to get to the bottom of a mystery. What's McCarthy doing at Ohio State? Mike McCarthy's at Ohio State. I've seen hmm. pictures. We're going to have to hmm. figure out what player is is Mike McCarthy interested Sean in. Sean Wade. Lots of them. That's who it is. Uh, okay, yeah. If you need a fifth round pick, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, That's what I, I, I saw the picture, and I'm like, who is he looking at at Ohio State? Tommy Togi. Yeah, I think it's probably Togi. Yeah, there you go. Togi-eye. Maybe the linebackers. Maybe yeah. a little Baron Browning. Browning. Justin Hilliard. They've got some offensive linemen too there. I mean, they, uh, you know that you, you you have to probably get an idea of. But yeah, I, I mean, to me, that's you know McCarthy's probably one of those things that he's just going out hitting the big schools. I, I don't know how much yeah. he's really picking all this stuff up. I mean, good restaurants he, I, around there. I'll tell you what though, he did mention about him going to Kentucky. He did mention about going to Kentucky. You know, boss man fat. Let's go. That's 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 a cornerback right there. I think they're hunting cornerbacks. I think he's going to take a look. Him and Will McClay. I think they're going to take a look at all the cornerbacks in this uh, these top corners and, and see which one they need. Well, in the conversations that I've had with some of the scouting department, is that not only is it the the numbers that are tougher to gain this year, it's how, like how these players are off of the field what is this person like what is this prospect like and i know brian dane jeff you guys have been around this long enough to say and say that's already probably the hardest part of the draft it's not you can always look at the numbers you can always look at the tape it's finding out what kind of person what kind of player and mentality leader these prospects ultimately are going to be whenever they get to the next level and that's one of the parts of this draft that are almost completely taken out unless you go to these pro days or unless you saw them at the Senior Bowl. Well, I got good news for you, Kyle. My guy, Kelvin Joseph, is easy to figure out. Ask the two coaching staffs that didn't like him, and Hmm. you can check out the Boss Man Fat YouTube page, and you can hear his music, and it's good music, and he's a good corner. Let's go. Okay. It's. Uh, I mean, you have to wonder how the Isaiah Wilson situation from last year is going to affect teams this year. Um, you know, with not having a full idea of, of a player's character. Yeah. Uh, you know, what red flags are going to be acceptable? Which, which ones aren't? Um, you know, that Isaiah Wilson situation is going going to stick with some teams when they're decision making this year. It'll be interesting to look at, and if the Cowboys are uh, looking at 10 offensive players on the board, who's going to look in the defensive side of things? That was going to be the topic we were trying to get to, but we ended up getting sidetracked a couple different times. We might have to save that for next week, Brian. That was a good idea that you came up with, Uh, but I think that's something that is going to continue to be a debate for the Cowboys moving into... Eichenberg, the tackle, Mm. Notre Dame. (laughs) You do like Eichenberg a lot. If he falls. Nick Bolton. Yeah, that's fair. Peyton Turner. 
Okay, just keep naming mm-hmm. them, Jeff, and we'll just ride off into the sunset with you just naming prospects. Uh, Merrick, he shouldn't go in the first round. He should go around 44. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. Chris Beam in the back for Hector. Excuse me. Cosme. For, for Jeff Cavanaugh, for Dane Brugler, for Brian Broaddus. I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you on Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time on the Draft Show. Eric Stokes. Aaron Robinson. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!